Welcome back to the Marty Party, guys, where every episode we're featuring great guests from the real estate community and beyond. Uh, this is an exciting episode for me as we are featuring a completely new position, a new perspective as all of our guests. So we have a good friend of mine, Matt Dela Cruz, on today. Welcome. Well, I, I'm excited to be on the finally get invited to the Marty Party. So thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're still your first 20, so that's good. You're top 20. You're still sub up 20 episodes. All right, there you go. There you go. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's great. We're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna kill it today, guys. So Matt Dela Cruz is a coach, uh, both lifestyle, um, professional coach. Uh, he teaches off of Maxwell. And you know, before I give it all away, uh, talk to us about your upbringing and then kind of how you got into coaching. You know, how did it all begin? So, you know, where I am today, you couldn't go to school to do what I do today. Okay. And everybody always asks me, they say, Matt, I want to do what you do. And I said, I don't know if you can handle the first year, <laughs> let alone the fifth year or the 10th year, because it's something that you can't learn at school. And I grew up in California in Orange County, Huntington Beach, surfer, beach bum. I was raised in obscurity by one of the most negative men in the world, unfortunately, was my father. Um, he was an alcoholic, uh, verbal abuser, physical abuser. It was just the way he was brought up. So he obviously thought that was the, bring, the way to bring up his kids. And uh, my 17th birthday, I remember it vividly because uh, I woke up that morning. He says, hey, today you're an adult. Pack your stuff and get out of the house. And I looked at him, I said, well, where do I go? And he says, that's up to you. So I packed up what I owned at the time, my surfboard, wetsuit, uh, my clothes, loaded it all up in my Volkswagen, and I drove to the beach. I didn't know where else to go. So I'm living on the beach, sleeping underneath the pier in Huntington Beach, California. And I did that for about 14 months. And back then it was cool because we were called beach bums. Uh, today we call them homeless people. But I was doing what I loved to do. My passion was surfing. And so I got to do that, dropped out of high school my junior year, found myself in a very unique situation. I couldn't get a job other than washing dishes. And I washed dishes with uh, three illegal immigrants at Marie Calendars. In fact, they used to call us the four Mexicans in the back. And, uh, but it, to me, it was, it was a way of living, two bucks an hour, minimum wage. The food that was coming across uh, the dishwasher uh, that was not eaten, I'd bag it up and take it back, and me and some of the other uh, beach bones, that's how we ate. But it was in survival mode. I know what it's like to be in survival. And then great fortune came my way. Uh, God had blessed me with uh, one of the men that turned my life around. His name was Zig Ziglar. Uh, I know some of the younger people don't know who he is and what he stood for, but the impact that he had on over 70 million people's lives, and one of them was mine. But he taught me about goal setting. He taught me about attitude. And he gave me the formula for success. And the formula for success, he asked me to, he goes, here, write it down. I'm going to give it to you. And I didn't have nothing to write on, so I took a napkin and I wrote down, be, do, have. That's what he said. The secret to success is be, do, have. And if you say be, do, have, and you say it over and over again, you say, how can that be the secret to success? And he goes, you got to read it from the back to the front. So I said, okay, have, do, be. And I said it again, have, do, be. I said, I still don't get it, Zig. What is it? He says, here's the secret to success. You can't have until you do, and you can't do until you become, because once you become what you need to become, now you'll do what you need to do so you can have anything you want in life. And that's what he gave me. But over the years, I took that, and I started really grilling on it. I'm saying, okay, the be, what does that mean? The do, I get it, is the action. The have is the goal. But the be was one, one thing that I did not understand, and finally, it just hit me. The be is what you need to become. You have to become the right attitude to do what you need to do to have. 
So think about it. If you want your goal was to lose 10 pounds, and what do you have to do? Everyone knows, eat right and exercise. But what do you need to become? Disciplined, committed, consistent, attitude, attitude, attitude. So if you're consistent, you're disciplined, and you're committed, now you'll do eat right and exercise, and then you can have the goal or reach the goal, which is lose the 10 pounds. So that was one of the things that really, really just launched me. But here's one of the the other things he gave me. He gave me this thing called hope. He says, you don't have to go back to school, but you got to have a plan of what you want to get out of your life. And that's when he started teaching me about the goals, teaching me about the attitude. And needless to say, years after that, I started promoting him all over the country for his seminars. I would fill up the room for him. Um, and that's pretty much how I started out. That's crazy. Yes. That's incredible. So, okay, so how do you meet him when you're homeless under the bridge? You know, how are you, how did you get introduced to him? So it wasn't a bridge, it was the pier. Okay. okay. Everyone okay. always, when they say bridge, they think it's one of the bridges on the boardwalks in New Jersey. It wasn't it. there. So Southern California, it was the pier. Like the wood pier, legit. Yes. <laughs> it, but back then, it, back then it was different. Yeah, but it was wood then, now it's pretty much cement. But here's what happened, and people always ask that. I never really have the time, and I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people don't really know how that happened. Right. So I'm 17 years of age. One of my best friends still to this day, uh, his parents owned a mortuary or a funeral. Uh, they did funeral processions, and um, they used to take the limos and the cars all the way to the cemetery. And my best friend, they had a couple limos, and they turned it into doing what they called concert runs. So the cars, the limos would sit during the day or in the evening. And so they said, well, why don't we take people who want to go to concerts so they're not drinking and driving? And my best friend, he said, hey, do you want to drive a limo? And I said, sure. He goes, we'll pay you under the table and you get cash and you get tips. I said, sure. It was interesting because my license got revoked, but I was still driving these people in a limo to these concerts. That's so I picked up these, I picked up, a, I had a pickup of these four hairdressers out of Newport Beach, California, and I was taking them to Long Beach Arena. Yep. And I picked them up and I'm driving down the 405 and I'm going to uh, Long Beach Arena and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm going, okay, so who's the band you're going to go see? And they're in the back of the limo and they said, uh, Zig Ziglar. And I said, Zig Ziglar. And I'm th- sitting there thinking to myself, I go, I never heard of the band. And I said, Zig Ziglar, like, you know what I mean? ZZ Top, and he goes, no, Zig Ziglar. And I'm Zig Ziglar, I said, oh, you mean the magicians that out of Vegas, Siegfried and Roy. I mean, this is how, this is where I was with my, my, my mentality That's back then. Funny. And he goes, no, he's a motivational speaker. You should go there because there's an extra ticket that we have. So I parked the limo, they went in, I had the ticket, and I said, I'll go poke my head in there. There must have been 3,000 people in there. Right. So I poked my head in there, and all I remember was Zig Ziglar in his young years, who was running across the stage back and forth, getting on one knee, and he used to have this water pump that he used to do, that I used today in Sales Mastery. And he, I would want to watch this guy go back and forth, a guy from Yazoo City, Mississippi, me, a beach, beach bum from Southern California, never heard an accent like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, this guy is crazy. But I got turned off by it because I wasn't, it just didn't connect, didn't resonate with me. So I listened to for about 15 minutes after that, no big deal. Go back, pick these guys up, drop them off. The next morning I had to clean out the limo and take it back to the the funeral home. Yeah, the funeral home. And all of a sudden they left one of the cassette tapes in the tape deck. That's how far back it was, cassette tape. <laughs> as I'm watching, as I'm washing the limo, I'm listening to Zig Ziglar. Right. And the one thing that Zig does, Zig's teaching was in parables. It was right. always storytelling. 
And that was one way that I can learn. Right. So I'm listening to that tape over and over and over again. And that was the start of the seed that was sowed by that concert, or not that concert, by that seminar or by Zig Ziglar. And needless to say, it was a year and a half later, I heard he was coming to Anaheim for a seminar and I borrowed money. Actually, I stole the money out of my mom's purse. And I went to the seminar because I had to see this man. Right. This man that literally resonated with me, right. but he gave me that hope. And that was the start of my relationship with the great Zig Ziglar. That's that's a, an insane story. So, okay, so especially now, because I was expecting some like by chance meeting. So at this point, you still do not know this man. No, do not. So how do you approach him and even get approached to working for him and filling the room, how does it even happen? So it, it pretty much started like any other, if you go to a seminar and if you listen to a great speaker, there's always people that want to come up to them uh, during the breaks. And so I remember that one break, I went up there to Zig Ziglar. There must've been 10 people there. Back then you didn't have a camera or people right. were taking pictures. People were getting autographs because he was selling his books. But I went up there and I looked at him and I said, Mr. Ziglar, my name is Matt Della Cruz. He said, I said, I will be one of your success stories. That's you will so cool. be talking about me one day. And he kind of looked at me and kind of shooed me away. And he said, I said, but I will, you watch. And he said, if I had a dime for everyone that said that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. And that was the one thing that he planned that seed. He, he did a takeaway from me. And I said, I'm going to prove to you that I can. I'm going to prove to you that I will be that person. And that was the start. After that, I wherever he came into California, especially if it was in Southern California, I made a point to go see him. And then the one day, I'll never forget, a lot of these speakers would like their, their students to pick them up from the airport. Right. And I called, he was, he was out of Dallas, he was out of Dallas, Texas, and he was coming back to um, Orange County, and I called up the number, I said, I wanna pick up, I'm one of students, uh, Zig students, I wanna pick them up at the airport. His secretary gave me the information, I picked them up in my beat up old Volkswagen that didn't have brakes, I used to have to pull the parking brake to stop. I picked them up at LAX, <laughs> He goes in, and I'm, every time I'm stopping, I'm pulling the brake. Hey, believe me, that was the last time he ever got in the car. But that's how my next connection I got. I was just, it, it was almost like I was stalking him. Right. But I was just so connected because I was just, everything he would say, I would eat up. Everything he would say, I would visualize it would be me. And that was the start. And then the next one after the next one, next thing you know, I became one of the salespeople that was promoting him all over the country. That's crazy. So, and at that point, like you had a relationship with him, had right? You weren't just, the, I'll yes. say, you were just the yes. weird guy. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. So you proved him wrong. I proved him wrong. And then he, I was the one of the guys that he would talk about as a success story in his stories later on down the road. So that's how it started with Zig. That's first teacher. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you go from Zig, right? And then you, you got into Maxwell. How did you get into Maxwell teaching? So prior before Maxwell, my next my next person that came into my life was Tom Hopkins, okay. who was a sales trainer who wrote How to Master the Art of Selling, because I yes. got into sales when I was 21. And same way, pretty much the same way, went to his seminars, picked him up at the airport. I said, man, one of these days I want to be able to teach his stuff. Right. But I became a top producing salesperson in the U.S. back in 19, so let's see, I was 25. So back in 1985, I was one of the top producing uh, alarm salespeople in the country at that time. And it was all because of him. So I'd go to the seminars and he used to bring me up to do a, a testimony in front of 3000 people. And then I was invited to his house, go to Arizona, became good friends with the son. That was, so my first turning point was Zig Ziglar. Right. The second one was Tom Hopkins. The third one that came into my life that I also promoted him all over the country was the man by the name of Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn was the man that taught me about he said, be the buyer of empty books. 
And I said, why would anyone buy a book that has nothing written in it? He says, so you can be the author of the book. And what he was talking about was the journals, how to keep a journal. Right. And that's what he taught me, how to keep journals. So 30 years ago, I had 30 journals that were once empty. Today, I have 30 journals that are now filled. So what I do is I capture quotes. I capture uh, who taught me, books that were recommended to me, who were my mentors, who influenced me. So Jim Rohn used to say, so when you pass on, the best thing to pass on of your legacy is your, your journals that are now full that you authored to your kids and your grandkids. That's so cool. they can see the books that you read, the people that influenced you. That was the teaching of it. And then, of course, unfortunately, um, when you have products that are people, they either pass on or they retire. Um, Rome, he, he passed away in 2010, Ziegler in 2012. Uh, uh, Tom Hopkins, he uh, retired in 2014. And then I'm sitting there. But I, during this whole time, I was building up my own information from my experiences I learned from my teachers. And then the next thing that came up was a good friend of mine in Hawaii, Scott Holgol, who's the president of iHeartMedia there. He says, dude, here's an opportunity for you to go get certified to be a John Maxwell speaker, trainer, coach. And that's how it started out. And then eight years ago, I became a certified speaker, trainer, coach for John Maxwell to teach his leadership material because he's the best of the best. So that's all that stuff just started like that. That's crazy. It's wild just to get from living under the dock, the pier, the yes, pier. I'm going to get pier, it right. The, the pier, pier under yeah. the wood pier on the coast of California to now where you are today. And so where you are today, uh, you own your own coaching business. It's called what again? So it's the Winnie Minds Group I've had for almost 30 years. Okay. That was part of the seminars, speaking, training, coaching. And then I kind of did a spinoff to, to separate it. Now it's called DLC Coaching, Delta Cruz Coaching. Okay. And now I coach uh, people from salespeople to business owners to top CEOs of companies literally all over the country today. That's amazing. Yes. Absolutely. So I know it's interesting because for coaching, uh, coaching something that I got into way too late. I, I should have had a coach three, four years ago, probably would have made better life decisions, but now I, I think it's invaluable. Uh, we you have a real estate coach here and a lot of our people get coaching from you. Yes. So with that being said, where I'm going with that is for the people that look at it and they think, you know, it's fake. I don't need it, right? These guys don't actually practice what they preach. You know, what are ways you're overcoming that and explaining to people the importance of coaching? But, well, here's the difference of it. It's coaching, mentoring, however you want to look at it. Everyone looks at it a little bit differently. And there's a lot of truth to what was just said. Uh, some of it is fake. In other words, if you hire a coach, uh, again, this is kind of advice that Zig gave me. He goes, don't take advice from anyone more messed up than you are. That There are a lot of coaching companies that spin off that are people that read a script. Right. Uh, the guys make 15 bucks an hour. They are more messed up than the person that's coaching them. But the person doesn't know. But if you were going to go and get Tom Ferry to coach you directly, it was Tom Ferry. Right. You're getting the real deal. If you're going to go through me, you're going to get the real deal. Right. Because the people, if the people aren't walking the walk and talking the talk, you don't want to be coached by them. Right. If you're going to get coached by the great Tony Robbins, and he's got a bunch of different coaches and different tier levels of it, and you'll pay different pricing of it. But if you got Tony Robbins, which most people cannot afford, right. maybe 1% of the people who can, and those are the ones that Tony will take on, but you're going to get the real deal of it. And right. you're going to be a, get to see the transformation. You know, my coaching is more of a teaching about teaching about work-life balance. Right. It's more about getting your life together because most people don't realize, especially in your business in real estate, you know, all these realtors, they want to be able to be successful real estate business. But if you have a messed up you, you're going to have a messed up real estate business. Makes a ton of sense. So that's why when I coach them, I pour into them, find out what their goals are, find out what their weak areas are. 
it's interesting because a lot of people focus on career. You would think their financial would be high if we did the wheel of life. It's, that's not true all the time. They're spending all this time and energy on their career. That means their family life goes down because they're not spending time with their family. Health is deteriorating. They're not eating right and exercising. They have no spiritual connection with whoever they believe in or their faith. Um, they're mentally, they're not doing anything of getting better of reading or doing anything. They listen to podcasts or YouTube videos to better their career or their life. Uh, the only thing they're doing is their work, work, working. I went through that one area of my life. And again, to be successful isn't one area. It's not about money, especially as you climb through, let's just say, the tiers of success or the four levels of growth. So coaching could be, it could be whatever you put into it. But again, I always tell people, see as the person, is the, is the person legit? Is he real? Is she real? Because there's a lot of great coaches out there uh, that I even help coach to become great coaches. That's amazing. But they practice what they preach. They practice what they preach. And, I think that's important. It, hey, if you're going to hire a financial advisor, ask the financial advisor, say, can I see your portfolio? That's it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, right? Why would you let somebody manage your money? If they if, can't manage theirs. If they can't manage theirs. Yes, of course. That's, that's crazy. Okay, so, you know, when you're shopping for a coach, right? So if somebody was looking to get coaching, whether it's from you or one of these other great people out there, you know, it, are there important things to look for, like questions to ask? I mean. Well, well so here it depends. If, if you're going to get a business coach. Right. Find out what their business does. Got it. You know, find out what their business does. How long have they been in business? Because there's a lot of people that just started coaching or people will say, oh, I'm going to be a coach. Um, it's, I want to be a speaker. Um, I was, and I was telling you earlier, Chris, I said, just because you can talk doesn't mean you can be a speaker. Right, absolutely. Because there's a lot of people who could talk, but they're just not a good speaker. Can you bring the audience in? Can you resonate with them? Can, they want to know the journey, not of your success journey. They want to know your journey and how you started out because you'll meet them somewhere on that journey. Right. Because a lot of people you're talking to in coaching, they, these people aren't even at the level that you want to get to. Right. So I would say, again, I, you get what you pay for. Um, there's all different types of pricings and packages out there. But if you're looking for a, a life coach, someone that has their, let's just say, has their crap together. Right. And they're successful at spiritual, family, career, financial, social, mental health, all seven areas. I would ask that. I'd say, so what areas are your, are your, are your strengths? What are your weaknesses or lesser strengths? If I was going to hire a coach, I had a speaking coach. I had right. a business coach. I had a spiritual advisor. I mean, so all these people will up-level you. And what they do is they become your thinking partners. They become giving you a different perspective. That's what a coach does. And if a person's just kind of reading a script and not going through it, it's not about the accountability. Part of it is. A lot of it is, is how are they going to get you to move from the inside, not the outside? That's good. That's really good. And I think a lot of people, when they get coaching, they're expecting you to do it for us, yes. right? They're, expect, they're expecting you to tell me, what do I need to do today, Matt? To, to sell more homes, to be more successful, to grow the business. And that's not how it is. Right. Right. Because if you knew how to do that or you were do, you would just do it yourself. I do it myself. <laughs> like, right. Like of legitimately, course. right? Yeah, like, of course. You just do it. So I think it's important, too, that when you get into coaching, that you have to understand that ultimately coaching is to build you up, right? right. It's to level you up because people won't want to follow you if they are exceeding your current level. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And so, okay, so when you find yourself, let's talk about that, right? So for the leaders out there, people that are growing businesses, we, we here at Rebate House are growing business. You know a lot about our behind the scenes stuff. But when you run into, you know, different scenarios where 
okay, you've got, you know, people that are, let's say level fives, right? And you're, you know, barely a six, you're right above them. What are ways that you encourage, you know, these leaders of these growing companies, you know, how do we get better, right? How do we go to the next level and what do we need to be doing? So, I mean, obviously you've been through our leadership training on yes. it, Chris, and you, we've seen su a substantial growth in you and your business. Right. I think the hardest thing for any, anyone that's in a leadership position or leadership role, the first thing I always tell people is the title doesn't make the leader, the leader makes the title. Right. And so many of, there's so many people out there right now that have the title, but never been trained on leadership. Many of the people don't know the difference between managing people and leading people. Right. And what happens in organizations today, if you look at the top people, the owners of companies, the top CEOs, they're not even in the game. They have other people that are running the production for them. Right. People grow the business. People grow the business. It isn't the owner. It's not the CEO. The people grow the business. It's so good. what a leader needs to know and understand is, I got to make my people, whether it be 10 people that, that are a part of my team, 100 people on my team, I need to make them and help them become the best people they can become. When they're the best people they can become, where most of the times the leaders will do, they want to invest the time to help the best salespeople become the best salesperson, the best director become the best director, the best marketing person become the best mark. No, help them become the best person they can become. And secondary would be that actual title of career or whatever they are. So what I would tell, I always tell leaders on it, let's just take a look at your people. And then when I say that, I said, now let me interview your people and let me ask your people how you're doing. Uh, I'm not going to ask you how your pe ask you how your people are doing because you're going to say, hey, we're in a position right now because they're messed up, right? Rule number one, everything rises and falls on leadership. It's always the leader. They don't fire the best players. They fire the coach. Right. And the coach is usually the owner or the leader, whatever the position is. So it's about developing developing them. And we go through two phases, as you went through. Yes. The phase one is develop the leader within. Right. Phase two is unleash the leader within. Right. And actually deploy them out. And deploy them out there. And then that's where they get to learn the laws of the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership from Maxwell or the 15 invaluable laws of growth. Right. So that's what we want to do. And then get them in balance. Get them to know that, hey, get your work done in an hour period. And the first thing I start with, I said, show me your daily agenda. Your success is in your daily agenda. Show me your daily agenda from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. Your morning and your evening routines are your bookends that should never change. Ever. That's your personal development. Monday right. through Friday, that should never change. And then, of course, if your business hours are at the office from 8 to 5, 8 to 5, it's done. Schedule what is high priority. Schedule things that are going to get give you the most rewarding, the, mo the what's required of you, and the most important part, how you respond to it. That's good. Prioritize it. Don't try to do 100 things because you got none of it done. The question at the end of the day you got to ask yourself is, did I move my business forward or did I set it back? It's never standing still. Right. It goes forward, it goes back. Right. And, what did, you, and what did you do today and how, right. how did you impact that? So. A lot of realtors watch this podcast, other agents at other brokerages, and right now we're in a time of uncertainty. I know you're, uh, Matt, for those who don't know, is very heavily in the mortgage space right now. He works a lot with the mortgage company here in San Antonio. Um, so you're aware of current market conditions. So to the realtors out there and anyone else that's just feeling this hard shift, what are you telling your students to prioritize right now? So if, one of the things that I've always taught every single, anyone that's gone through my sales mastery class, and there's a lot of realtors here in San Antonio have gone through it, and they know that if I refer to them, I say, are you priming the pump? And it's you literally, I bring a water pump. I got this from Zig Ziglar was a water pump is priming the pump right. every day. Right. Because when the water comes up or it's just barely trickling, people take the hand off the pump and the water goes back down the well. Right. So they're pumping it again to get it going. They weren't doing that. Remember, 
six, seven, eight, nine months ago, the market right. was completely different. You didn't have to have a presentation. Right. All you had to do was show up. I mean, Lily could have took a listing. Yes. And my goodness, and she's one of the best authors. Too bad she's not licensed. Right. Absol but, absolutely. But it was. But but this is what we're saying here is you got to make sure every single day it's the prime and the pump. I know a lot of people. There's people that I'm coaching in real estate. Real estate. I said, well, how many clients do you have that you got happily involved in home ownership? Right. I got 120. When was the last time you called them? Show me in your calendar their one-year anniversary on when you're going to pick them up. I'm not talking about doing doing any letting your CRM do it and send a little email, a robot saying happy one-year anniversary. How personal is that? Right. You know. I mean, we built our house a year ago. I mean, hey, when my guy calls me up and says, hey, just want to wish you a happy anniversary. My agent, obviously from your company, yep. she basically just said, hey, just want to let you know, getting close to that one year, you need to get their, your, your inspector to come out there before the, the, the 15 or the 12 months. Right. And I'm going, dang, am I going to really do the, spend 500 bucks to do that? I'm so glad. I'm telling you, I'm an advocate of that now because they found stuff that I would have never found, right. including a leak, a cap they didn't put on the roof <laughs> that was going into the attic on top of the air conditioner. I would have never done that. Never. And I got a great home builder, too. And I'm just saying, I'm so glad I did that. They gave me a 13-page, or no, it was a 28-page report on everything with pictures, with drones. And again, I mean, people yes. should be doing that. Why? Just to pick up the phone to start conversation. Absolutely. It's not about the emails. It's about where's the personal relationship. That's good. So again, priming the pump every day, every single day, even at the times of uncertainty. Remember, you shouldn't be uncertain. Let everyone else be uncertain because they're going to plug into certainty. That's good. So if you're an agent and you're walking around being certainty, don't say the same thing that every agent is saying. Yeah, it's a market shift. It's a shift. Now's the time to buy. Now's the time to sell. I mean, we see it. I mean, I see more open house signs every weekend than I have before in nine months. And people that I talked to said two people show. Right, literally. And there's no offering. Dead. So what do we do? We go back to our existing clients, the ones who trust us, like us, respect us, the people that want to do business with us, because they'll open up doors for us. People either moving into San Antonio, people moving out of San Antonio. It's the easiest thing that you do. We work so hard to get that client, but now we just put them on the shelf. And then hopefully they call us when they do move or they know somebody that wants to. And buy. that blows my mind. What you just said is such a powerful statement. Definitely, I wish I was the best at it. I'm not. I could be way better. Why do we do that? It's so hard to get a new client. They say that it's 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 five times more expensive is what big companies have found to get a new customer than to just keep a recurring customer. So why do we why do we move on, right? Because we're always going to take that the path of least resistance. The job is done. Right. And, and, and if you're a professional salesperson, and when I first started in sales, that's what I, I would do. I would hunt. I'd eat what I kill. I leave the carcass on the side, and I move on. That's how it was. It was just one and done. Boom. Close it. Move on. Close it. Move on. But what I didn't realize is what I was doing is neglecting all these people who did like me, who did trust me, who did respect me as the expert advisor, which every real estate agent should, should leave that mark, right. then I would just easy to follow up with them. I mean, if we're anything, pay somebody to follow up with it. They want to hear the human voice today. He, we need human connection today. And I would advise every single real estate person, the ones that I coach, I said, show me your list of people. You got 120 people on a, on a scale of one to five on human connection. What is your connection with them? Five being the highest, one being the lowest. And the saddest thing about it is they can't even get it past a two. That's terrible. So, so why do we do all that in the beginning and we don't? Again, we just get so complacent. In today's sales, the, the, the sales arena today and whatever, it's cars, I don't care what you sell, 
today's arena, you have to be good at three things. You got to hunt every day. You got to farm every day and you got to be a service person every day. And if you're saying, I don't have enough time to do all three, I will call you right out. I'll say, show me your calendar. Show me your calendar. Okay, so calendar, I want to live on that right now because that's something that a lot of us are not good at. Your calendar doesn't flex, right? Whatever's there is, it's what you do. It's what I do. So what happens, right? We, you know, we've got a lot of people here that have just busy lives, right? Sports, just kids in school, you know, life, right? What happens when the hiccups happen, the fevers, you know, things like that? Like, how do you how do you stay the course of your business when they get the wrenches thrown in there? What do you do? So if you think about it, it depends on what stage of your business is. And if we were to use the four levels of growth, right? Four levels of growth, survival, stability, success, or significance. When I look at a realtor and I'm coaching them, and I have them go through that, is your business survival? Right. In other words, are you living paycheck to paycheck? When was the last time you got a paycheck? Um, are you using your credit cards to float you through it? That's survival. And a lot of people that get in the real estate business or 100% fee-for-service or commission business, that's what they're doing. They're robbing from Peter to pay Paul, and they're just hoping something's going to come through. But my, if you're in survival mode right now, I mean, you're going to have to buy in. Have your spouse buy in. Unless you're a single parent, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. But get your family to buy in to help you if a kid has fever or if a kid has to be picked up at school. I get it. So there are some things beyond our control that we cannot control. So you're either going to be in a reactive mode or a proactive mode. Proactive mode is every Sunday. I take Sunday. I take time to reflect. I take an hour every Sunday to reflect on the week, and I plan the next week. What goes on my calendar and schedule are things that are going to move my business forward. I stop my business at five o'clock, I'm done. Business can wait till the next day. Now, if you're an agent, you say, oh, no, 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 I can't wait. No, 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 I might lose a client. The second question you gotta ask yourself is what type of business are you building? Right. People respect you if you're a parent, especially if you're a single parent, they, they get it. Just build that relationship as a people relationship. It's good. Not as a realtor buyer relationship, realtor seller relationship. Yes, now you're at the beck and call. We are public servants. We serve the public, no doubt about it. But when it comes to the bottom line, it comes to the bottom, I'm going to build a business of good business. Same thing. If people that want me to coach them, I make them fill a seven-page profile sheet, personal and business. Right. And if it doesn't match and, I, and I'm not matching with that, I say no. Um, I, could put a, I could double the price if I want, but I don't. it's not worth my time to coach somebody where all of a sudden they're not all in it. Right. And if you're in it, and my definition of commitment is there's no way out. I'll commit, you commit. That's, that's this really is how good. it works. So, Makes sense. And, and that's where when you're building that business and during this times right now, there are things that are going to come up, but maybe 1% of the time, give me a break, but what are you doing the another 99%? Right, absolutely. And, that, and that's I guess that that's the most important part is, is the rest of the time, right? Because there are days where I just feel like, man, we always have something going on, but it's because on the days when we don't, we don't have that structure in place, right? Right, right, where, right, right. where the days happen. Okay, another good one that we get, so for a lot of the young agents out there, right, either young in age or young even in, like, the business, right? right. Someone older that just got started, you know, you come across in, in market times like this. When the market starts to go downhill, in general, clientele flocks to the heavy producers, right? Whenever the market starts to get weird, all of a sudden everybody really cares who their realtor is because they want to make sure that their agent knows what to do to navigate, you know, rocky waters. So... What are you telling people that are young in the business or young in age about how to overcome the objection of, are you even an expert in a challenging time like this? What, what should they be doing? So, I mean, basically what they say is leverage the branch, leverage the brokerage. 
uh, yes, we are we're, we're one of the we are one of the top teams of brokerages here in the New Braunfels area, here in the Cibolo Canyon. We are the top of the top. What's great about it? It's not just about me. It's our team that you're getting. You're getting you're the gonna, whole thing. You, you say the whole thing on it, so that way they don't have to. And they're not lying. They're telling them the truth because the broker's going to help right. them. Marketing's going to help them. Everyone's going to help them, especially if it's their first transaction. They're going to do everything they can to help them. They get the support. And that's what it is. It's not about one person. It's about a team of people. That's what you get behind the scenes. It's really and good. And you'll see it. And again, just like some of the mortgage companies, it's not the one loan officer. It's always in the closing. It's the ton of people that were part of it, that touched it, that good. did something. So it's, it's big, part of a bigger picture, right? Yes. And try not to be a one-man army because it doesn't right. work. Okay, that's perfect. Well, that's been a really good foray into coaching for people who haven't known. Um, Matt, of course, is uh, will drop his info in case you're interested in that. Um, tell us about you know your hobbies as well. So outside of coaching and outside of work, right, um, you've traveled a lot, right? Yep. Any notable spots you've gone to in the world? So it's interesting. Um, when I first started, I traveled for 23 years of my life. Yes. I was on an airplane. I would leave every Sunday, and I would come home every Friday. 50 weeks out of the year, I would live in a city for two months promoting a seminar, whether it be Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, or Jim Rohn. I did that for 23 straight years. Um, I have the the little badges that I put on my uh, my uh, backpack that you know over a million miles on Delta. I think I'm at 1.7 million. I know I know friends that have got, have the different. I have a red one. They have the blue one. They're two million miles in the air. Two million miles. And if in Delta, it's uh, it goes from the this goes from the silver to the gold to the platinum to the diamond. And I've been recently diamond. You're flying 200,000 miles a year, and it, a lot of people say, "Wow, that's pretty impressive." When you step back and look at it, it's sad. Right. I mean, you're never home. <laughs> no. And that was one of the challenges with my first marriage, right? I was never home. But now you got to have the support of it. But I did. I got a chance, an opportunity to travel uh, because I was in every, I spoke it. I was a speaker in every state except for the state of Alaska. Really? I have spoke to a group of people live at a seminar in person to every state but the state of Alaska. Is Alaska on a list somewhere? It's, it's on the list, bro. And my goal is to impact the lives of a million people. I'm about 100, I'm 100,000 short of being able to speak live to se in seminars. I mean, it's it's minute compared to like the Tony Robbins and the 150 million people and all the other. It's, but it's to me, it's 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 a, a mark that I want to hit. It's one of my goals. That's crazy. Because I want to impact the lives of a million people, Chris. That's what I want to do. That's incredible. So what was one of the most memorable speaking segments that you've gone to whether you spoke or you attended was there like a memorable place that you went to so i was asked let's see 2019 and this will this will be this will be perfect to be able to tie into it so when we talk about the four levels of growth right, right. survival stability success and significance and when i share that with people and i'm saying what level are you on and a lot of people strive to become successful right. our whole lives that's what our goal is to be successful in our early years of life uh, to be successful, I mean, I would say, if not everybody, but 99% of the people would say, money. When I have a lot of money, I'm successful. When I drive a nice car, I'm successful. When I live in a nice home, I'm successful. And that's maybe in your 18, 19 years of age because we don't have it. Right. Um, but then we go from that area to get to success. It might take us 20 years. It might take us 30 years. But when we do hit that level of success, on that journey towards success, you will be selfish. 
because it's about you. Think about it. Right. We sacrifice our health. We sacrifice time with our kids. We sacrifice time with our families. We sacrifice the time with spirituality or our relationship with God. I mean, we sacrifice so much till we get there. So now you might be in your 40s and you might be in your 50s, you might be in your 60s, but now you say, all right, I hit that level of success. And I got to that level, obviously, in my business, my personal life as well. But then there was that, how do you get to significance? Okay. How do you get to significance? 2019 at my church in Michigan, um, the missions pastor and the missions people had approached me and said, Matt, we're going to India and we would like you to do speak at the leadership conference there at a church in India. And I said, India, I said, man, I've never been to India. And she said, um, I go, how many, what is it? She goes, it's leadership. 500 men are going to be there and we want you to do it. We figured, well, why would we reinvent the wheel? Let's just ask Matt if he would do it. Right. So the first thing I said, I said, well, what's their budget? How much are they going to pay? And, and the guy said to me, goes, Matt, it's a missions trip. I go, Okay, and I'm not getting it right. And I said, well, um, I only fly first class, so first class seats. And he goes, Matt, it's a missions trip. And I said, well, where are we staying at? Are we staying in a nice Marriott, uh, the Ritz-Carlton, JW? What, what's, what, where are we staying? He goes, it's a missions trip. And the first thing I said, well, let me get back to you. Uh, you know, I want to talk to my wife about it, and I'm going to pray on it, and we'll figure it all out. So I talked to my wife about it, and I'm sitting there going, India and she goes when is it and I said it's October I said 10 days and she's going well I don't know what do you think and I said I don't know I said we'll, we'll pray on it anyway so it opened up and here's what I thought my whole life because I've never spoke in a different country right especially on the other side of the world and I said to myself I said God has been equipping me right for all these years to pour into some men yes. and leadership on the other side of the world so I told him I would do it. But let me give you the point of it. This is what we're saying. I didn't know, because it was it was donating of my time. Right. But my mindset was in the business mindset. Right. What's their budget? Right. First class. I only fly first class. This and so th- then I'm saying it's a mission. It's giving back. Right. This that year in 2019 was the year that I crossed the threshold of going from success to significance. Because here's the difference of it. For all the people in the audience is, if you're working for you, if you're working for your, our selfish reasons, if we're saving, if we're, it's all about what we look like, it's all about, that's the level of success itself. That's where we get, to, we're selfish. To cross the threshold goes from selfish to selfless. Now the definition of significance is it's no longer about money or materialistic things. It's all about how many people, lives that you can impact. That's what it was to me. That's amazing. As I'm like, I guys, I've been equipped for this. I was like, this is it. This was it. And after that, I decided that every year on my goals is to donate 10 hours a month of my time to speak to kids, to charities, to churches, teach them what was taught to me. I need to amazing. pay it forward. So that was a different mindset. And That's it blew amazing. me away. And most people go their whole lives never getting to that part, Chris. That's amazing. Ever. And I'm sure for the people there, like it was so impactful for them, I'm sure. So here's what I found. People would walk in India. So we were staying outside the slums. Right. If you looked up and you Googled India, Delhi, New Delhi, they have it written. It's, it's there. Slum one, slum two, slum three. And the government in India don't want these people to survive, but they survive. I mean, there's no running water. There's no sewage. We were in one of the slums. 
250,000 people live on a one block radius like it would be in San Antonio. 250,000 people. Most of them either have a motorcycle or they're walking. The, the men that came to hear me speak on leadership that day, it was awesome, too, because I had an Indian translator, and everything I had to do in my PowerPoint, everything in the workbook was Hindi. It was so cool. It was super cool. But it was an experience for me, but the impact when I left there was, man, I left a mark there. But there were men that would walk six hours to hear me speak on that Saturday. And the one thing that I – and I'm telling you, it was – we would drive it. I have videos of it, pictures of it. When we're driving in in the morning, there's – millions of people walking out of the slum to go to work. And if you're in India, you never call in sick. If you ever call in sick to work, you never have a job for the rest of your life there because there's so many people there and there's not enough jobs. It was interesting. I mean, there's no running water. There's the sewer. The sewage water was coming out oh, like I a river. Stop you could it. smell it. And back then, this was before we got COVID, everyone wore a mask there. I mean, you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. And I have pictures of it. So everyone was wearing a mask. I'd wake up coughing up blood every single day. I was there for 10 days. And the equivalency of the, of the air pollution there was equivalent to smoking 31 cigarettes a day. Just naturally just living. Natural, just naturally just breathing. It was insane. But it was, a, it was a, definitely a turning point in my life to where I said, you know what? Now I get it. It's not about getting it to where I'm so glad I live in America. It's getting about being an influencer making a difference in these 500 men's lives that kids were coming up to me and just wanting me to and staying at, connecting with me on Facebook and stuff that I still stay connected to. And I made a commitment. I said, I will make sure that I will shoot videos. And I was doing it for a while, for about six months, shooting videos over there of me shooting videos on leadership so they can teach it to the men because as they were growing their church. It was insane. It was, probably, it, was the most, it was amazing, most amazing thing in my life. That's the only time I've ever been to Paris. We landed in Paris. And that's the only in the time. airport. That's the, and <laughs> that's and transferred from there. I went to Paris. Yeah, <laughs> you were at the airport. That's amazing. So I know that you and your wife, do you guys, you guys try and take like an annual trip, right? Yes. Well, we do, we'll do Hawaii. We, we used to do Hawaii every year, and then we went every other year. Because I would promote a seminar in Hawaii, and one of my best followings are the people in Hawaii. I just got back from Hawaii. I spent two months out there uh, doing an event on self-mastery and working with one of the uh, mortgage branches out there in Hawaii yes. and just building up the people and just building realtor relations with them. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll, you, we usually go there. Um, you know, we've never been anywhere, and we love to go to Jackson Hall. That's our favorite spot to go to. Uh, but we've never been to Europe. I've never been to Europe other than yes. landing in Paris and India. Transferring to India. So is that on your list of things to do? What's that? To, to go to Europe? Oh yeah, I want to go to Europe. I want. I want to go. I want to go to Tuscany. I want to go to Greece. I want. To, I mean, you see all these all these parts of of that people get to enjoy, and I don't know. I mean, you you took your daughter, yes. and I'm saying, you know, my kids are 15. Ava's 15, and then Matthias is 13. Are they? Would they get into it? I think they would. Or, I took a seven year old little girl to Paris, know, and man. she had a great time. Yes, I know. It's great. great Absolutely. I, I think it's, I think it's memorable, and I think that the reason I ask you know, transitioning from just your experience in India, right? I think that to be as good of a speaker as you are and to be able to pour into other people, you personally have to have fulfillment, right? You know yes. what I mean? Like you have to be full yourself, right? Yes. Happy, content, et cetera. So, you know, with how busy you are and how many things that you're doing, and of course you've got it blocked off. My question, you know, there lied in, of course, traveling and trips is more so how are you making sure that you're always good, right? That you're always full to pour, you know, spill over to others. And so it's, that's interesting that you say that because 
people like myself right. and other people that we know that are friends that it's it's difficult because we feed off of that that's our energy that fills us up but also to my wife when we when i get home it's like beth i just going you drain me because me and my son are, my, my son's not as much as he used to be but i mean we need we need that right. we need that positive feedback that attention so to speak but that's what, I just fill it up, man. I mean, I spend my, my I spend my time with God in the morning, and I go through my normal routine on it Monday through Friday. Um, I just I follow my routine, and my routine is what gets me to where I want to be at the end of the day and, and at the end of the week. Because Amazing. coming down to it, Chris, it's everybody that, especially the people I coach, I said, "What is your why?" I know that it it was it was beat up like a dead horse. I'm like, "What's your why? What's your why? What's your?" You can ask one out of 10 people, and I guarantee you, if not one, most of them don't even and couldn't give you their why. Right, absolutely. Without stuttering or thinking it through. And, you know, mine is to maximize my potential by adding value to others wherever I am, wherever I go, every day of my life, and to live a life that matters. And so what I've learned to be fulfilled is at the end of the day, I got to say, did I add value to others today? wherever I am, wherever I go, and to live a life that matters, at the end of the day, when before I go to bed, I can honestly say I did. Even on this podcast, as yeah, people watch absolutely. it. If one person, one person just said, I like that one nugget he said. See, in life, it's not about how much I'm going to get. It's just the one thing I need to get. And a lot of us are saying, well, this is so much stuff. Just get one. One thing. Open up your heart and your mind, your soul, your mind and your soul and just say, what is the one piece that I'm missing that I need to get to launch me personally and professionally? If you got two ideas, one person on one business every single day, and you have that awareness to search for it, you'll find it. Absolutely. And just a lot of people just don't do it. But that's how I, I fill myself up by just getting my connection with God, getting myself psyched up, doing my workout, going through the process, looking at my schedule, looking at well, who do I need to move, who do, I do, who do I need to impact that's on my calendar, and that's how I focus on it. That's amazing. That's incredible. So this has been extremely good. I want to bring it to a close on this last section. So you, um, which I think would be really cool, some behind the scenes on Matt De La Cruz, you've lived a very full life, right? You started out in a tough situation at home, you know, to a, a you know early adult life that was not the, the easiest right to then this professional career that you fought every way right and now you're living like you said a life of success and significance both which is incredible so i know recently you moved here from ohio or michigan michigan, michigan. michigan yes. you moved here from michigan right so you, to close this out here you know what how has it been shifting from just your your everything right you've lived in michigan a long time to come down here what's it been like with the transition so i think the hardest part is just a, a little bit of the conflict where yes. the hard part was i mean Think about it. Up and leaving. My wife's family's there. Right. Her whole family. My family's still in California, but her family's in Michigan. And to take my daughter, who became a freshman last year at a new school here, and my son, it was the toughest thing in the world when we broke broke the news that we're moving to San Antonio. And we sat our kids down a year and a half ago, and they looked at us, started crying, just saying, you just ruined our life, and ran upstairs. And my wife and I were sitting on the couch, and she was crying, and I was crying, and I'm just going. But we prayed on it, man. Yeah. And I said, God wants us to be in San Antonio to impact the lives of the people in, in Texas. And it was tough. And it was a tough move because our home wasn't built when it was supposed to be done. Yes. Uh, we all know that in San Antonio. Um, and the timing was not where we wanted it to be, and we had to stay in three different rentals. And 
the the worst thing about it was the movers lost the stuff to put all the furniture together and so we did we moved it all in and then we hired a junk company to pull it all out and then i just told my wife and just said just go get new furniture that's insane so it was a nightmare but have they transitioned well to the area they're getting better on it i mean obviously it's like like i i can't wait till we i can't remember <laughs> when it starts cooling down here in san antonio I'm going, it's literally like <laughs> december 23rd I, it's literally it's like because everything's cooling down right now in michigan right now because it's it's automatic shift of the season change and when i watch college football you know, and I'm watching it here. It's like it doesn't feel like it's college football because it's not the fall. Right. In Michigan, man, it's like it's fall football. And so but it's slowly but surely it's getting there. I mean, it's we you know, we meet a lot of people. We know a lot of people. It's the friendships on it. It's just like anything. It's change that people need to understand. Change. That means you ended something, right? And you start something. Start new. something new. That's really good. And, and people hate that. They they do. And and that's that was the question I was going to ask. Right? Is like, you know, are there at least like for people that are going through a big change like you are, right? Like, are there silver linings? Like, have you guys found something here that you're like, man, like this is something that we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have experienced, you know, had you not moved down here? You know, I th- I mean, I love it here. I love the weather. I mean, I, we I can play golf every single day all year long. You know, we you know to to be a member of TPC uh, Country Club. I mean, I could have never did that, even though I was a member over in Michigan at another one. But I mean, no, I mean it's like because it snows and you can't play, right? Yeah, it's yeah, you're done. You would have four year, you have four months of your membership, and then you're still paying every month, and well, and you can't play until April. Right? Really? So you only yeah, you're play? done in November. Done in November. Of course, it's shut down. Then you got December, January, February, March, April. You're waiting another four or five months. Wow, that's insane. And it's still cold. In April, don't get warm up until probably July. So you're golfing long, so that's crazy. Well, I think I think that you know whether it's obviously you've made a big move late in your professional life, even after reaching success and significance. I think that people just always need to be like whether it's you know calling on their heart, you know a spiritual calling, whatever it is. I think that people need to be open to making changes that are good for not only themselves but impact the lives of others, like you said. So ask yourself the question, right? Is it for the greater good of the company? Is it for the greater good of my family? You'll always come up with the right answer. It's amazing. It's got to be for the greater good. For the greater good. And that's what we do. And that's what you do. Yes. Man, this has been amazing. Any final thoughts you have for us, anyone, the audience? No, you know, as I as we get to the end of the, remember the fourth quarter of yes. every year, everything you have to do, you have to double up. Double yes. effort, double calls, everything has to be doubled. And that last quarter sets the stage for Q1, Q1. for 2023. Uh, don't get stuck into the holidays and don't let people uh, influence you and say, I'm going to wait till after the holidays. I'm going to wait till the first of the year. If you do that, and a lot of people throw on their hats and say, I might as well just wait till the first of the year. Every month counts. Every month. Because the day you don't hit the goal costs you the one week. The one week you didn't hit the mark costs you the month goal. The one month costs you the quarter, and the quarter can cost you the year. So it's about being profitable every single day. And it doesn't have to be monetarily profitable. It has to be profitable saying, I won, and I'm going to keep winning, and I'll never quit. That's the key. That's the key. So fourth quarter, guys, it's time to buckle down. This has been amazing. Matt, thank you so much for being on today, man. Yeah, of course, man. This is great. Thank you for having me on. It's about time. I know. (laughs) We we appreciate the heck out of you. So, guys, uh, Matt Dela Cruz, again, with the Winning Mind Group. He's just spun off uh, MDC Coaching. So we'll definitely get that posted with all the links and things to sign up. So, as always, guys, great episode of the Marty Party. Please make sure you're subscribed to us, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, every single platform we're on it. 
like, subscribe, and follow us for more great guests. We'll catch you all next time. 